Hey everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. The three amigos are all back together. It's been so long. I've missed it so much. Welcome to uh, Bill Landis back uh, to the to the Daily on Tuesday morning. Berm, yeah. of course. It's, is, uh, I'm so glad Bill's back. I just can't even help myself from interrupting you. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so glad to see someone else's face but yours. This is... You couldn't even wait. You just had no, to say that. Now this has been one of the wildest months uh, of my life. I've seen, seen your face way too much. So, so well, so I got some bad bad news for you, uh, bud. Oh man, because anyway. we're we're gonna be on the road a lot in the coming weeks, and you're still stuck with me. But you could have done the daily without me today. Like, nah. you, didn't, you chose this. Yeah. I mean, I figure it's better to have everyone get a glimpse of, of everyone together and make sure they know that, uh, you know, we're all still alive and kicking. Plus, I figure there's such a like heavy segment of the viewership that really only wants to watch us when Bill's on that I yes. wanted to sort of latch on <laughs> to his to his star and latch on to his star berm. Yeah, uh, latching on to stars. Um, I'm just glad Bill's back and uh, had a brief intermission there that required a i freshen up and uh we're happy you know i'm just glad everyone's back I, I, the off season is so tedious at times that occasionally you just need to bring the gang together you know yeah I'm see what you missed bill has brought you to tears bro. <laughs> means yeah. a lot to me that's really what happened this is an emotional moment for all of us so so these are different than you know the heat sweats out of your eyes that you get at roosters yeah this is a much different thing Oh, okay. Real tears. This was, Good. This was a laughing tear. Um, and this is one of those moments where I feel like if we had like a Patreon or something else out there that people could subscribe to for the raw, the real, that uh, <laughs> that they probably would have enjoyed what just happened. But tough. <laughs> You're not going to get that here. Um, anyway, uh, my bad. So Ohio State uh, had some stuff happening on Tuesday. Should we talk about that? Yeah, let's. So mm-hmm. off-season roster management. Not even uh, close to complete. Complete, And as uh, Bill and I talked about on Tuesday, there's going to be a lot more of it, certainly once you get to May. But Ohio State wasn't even done with that on Tuesday. As Cameron Babb, uh, Block O recipient, um, captain, one of the most inspirational figures on Ohio State's roster who uh, scored you know, a touchdown last year on a special play and special moment for him. That was the career capper, as we anticipated. It was t- so tough for him to just get ready to run that one route and score that touchdown, he wasn't able to get back out there for the rest of the year. And we thought that uh, Berm, that it would likely be the end of his career as well. He confirmed that with an announcement on Tuesday. Um, so I'm sure, I don't know what it'll be, but he will always have a role around Ohio State, whatever he wants to do, uh, whether that's getting into coaching, whether that's just staying on the sideline. Uh, the door to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center will always be open for Cameron Babb. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how a guy like that doesn't have a, a role wherever he wants it, whether it's in physical therapy, whether he's working with Adam Stewart. I mean, there, there's certainly those two know each other well enough. I'm sure that there, he maybe he found an interest in, in, in the healing process or however people uh, respond to injury. Cam's career certainly didn't go the way that anyone ever thought it would. He was an electric wide receiver coming out of Christian Brothers High School in St. Louis, where you know he, he was a top 40 player in the country. And it's just unfortunate that you see – these sort of careers just fizzle before they ever get to, to take, take off. But it was truly one of the best moments uh, in my time covering Ohio State being on the field as he scored that touchdown against Indiana. And uh, I know how much it meant to him and his family. And 
But more importantly, as you said, what he means to the Ohio State program and has meant to the Buckeye program over the last five years is is hard to quantify. Has anyone ever gone from playing to like immediately being on the support staff in some capacity? Am I forgetting someone obvious? Did Cam Burrows do that? I think Cam Burrows might have done it um, a couple of years ago, but it's rare. I think it's usually there's like a guy you like take a little hiatus from from football, but I can like see Cam Babb just like immediately transitioning into some kind of role with this program because of how much he means to it. Well, I mean, if you're looking for a guy to potentially um, follow up with, like with what CJ Barnett does, I mean, why would Cam Babb not be the right perfect fit for that to be the the next guy to take over in that sort of role where he's basically a mentor to the entire team? Um, I mean, if if we're just creating spots for him, I think that'd be a natural fit as well. Yeah, I don't I don't remember it happening right away because most guys, even someone like Kenny Guyton, who was made for that at quarterback, was still well. I've got the ability to go play. You have arena leagues, or you know some mm-hmm. of these, you know AAFL leagues, or the XFL coming back. They, it's hard for them because like most of them aren't willing to dive right into it, even if they think that quarterbacking or coaching is going to be in their future. You know, you look at JT Barrett sort of put that off for several years uh, before finally, I guess, begrudgingly going back and doing that with the Detroit Lions this year, but. Um, even the, a lot of those guys who expect that they're going to be coaches still don't want to dive into it right away while they're still uh, athletic enough to do it. Now, maybe Cameron Babb's situation is different because that's not an option for him. Um, you know, he's we know that the knee and, and all the setbacks in both legs are not going to allow him to do that. So maybe that changes the perception. Maybe that changes the opportunity. I I know that nobody in the locker room at Ohio State and nobody on that coaching staff will want to see him leave. So uh, however you you can do that, you know there will be room. I'm sure of it. Yeah, it's he just a matter of what he wants to speaker. do. I I think that that's probably something he's already considered. Bill, to be honest, I mean that that sort of that story is going to resonate with a lot of people in a lot of different worlds. Yeah. What were you saying, Bill? He should go do like TED talks. Be just oh, like yeah. tour tour the country. <laughs> be a motivational speaker. Um, be be professionally handsome and articulate, which sounds like a great life. <laughs> I, he checks a lot of boxes there, and I mean, every time he was available to talk over the last couple of years, you couldn't help but be blown away by you know the message that he provided, and that's why teammates gravitated toward him towards him over the last couple of years. That's why he got the block. Oh, he would sit out there with the media for like forty five minutes. Everybody else would come and go. You'd, you'd swoop in for a minute, get a couple uh, helpings of Cam Bad, and leave, and come back, and still be talking about something else. Like what a what a, all else is there for him to say? Like the pro, we all know how difficult the process was, but he he was so engaging and so willing to share his time. It was it was pretty cool. That's also why, as Berm said, so many people were uh, you know rushing over to congratulate him and shed tears and share in that moment with the touchdown against Indiana because he had poured so much into it. Rarely do you get opportunities like that to to cash in. So um, you wish Cam Bab nothing but the best in that next step, whatever it is. I think we can all say that we expect that he'll be successful in doing so. Um, Tristan Jebbia made his decision for his next step. He's the former Oregon State quarterback. He started at Nebraska a long time ago. Uh, didn't start as a starting quarterback. He began his career at Nebraska. He did start four games for Oregon State before uh, an injury suffered in the 2020 season. He was leading an upset win over Oregon when he suffered a leg injury. Never got that starting job back. Uh, but he is getting an extra year of eligibility, and he has chosen to use that at Ohio State. Uh, 
Uh, Berm, what do you know about Tristan Jebbia? I mean, I remember his recruitment. He was a guy that was a, a big win for Nebraska. He was, a, I, I believe he was a teammate of Keyshawn Johnson Jr.'s at, uh, in California and a guy that uh, really was one of Mike Riley's big wins back in 2017, which, I mean, that would have been class of 2017. So we're talking <laughs> summer of 2016, uh, which does feel like a long, long time ago. Um, but, you know, this is a kid that wants to be a coach. If we're talking about, you know, what we were just talking about with Cameron Babb, he is a, a young man that wants to be a coach when his playing career is over and the opportunity to come to Ohio State and learn from Ryan Day to, to basically be an additional coach in the room with Corey Dennis and, and Todd Fitch if he returns um, is an opportunity that he wanted to take advantage of. And plus, he provides some really valuable depth for Ohio State this spring because Lincoln Keenholz is not making the decision to enroll early as he talked about that he was doing some back and forth. So he's going to come in in June. Now you have a third body to help with some reps uh, throughout the spring with when Devin Brown and Colin McCord are competing for the starting job. Jebby will not be competing for that starting job. This is a Chris Chuganoff, Gunnar Hoke type of situation where they really just wanted a veteran presence, someone that can help these guys uh, see the game a little bit different, and, and and that really is a perfect fit for Tristan. I think this is – if Ryan Day could every year, I think he'd add somebody like this, right? It, it, it's not It's not always – Common, I guess, that a guy like this comes around. He's been pretty good at it with with Gunnar Hoke and Chris Chuganov, um, but there's not one of these guys every cycle. But he's going to be 25 in June. Like he has played in two different conferences. He's has starting experience, as Austin said. He's seen some stuff, <laughs> and like guys and, and guys in the room haven't. I know Kyle has that start under his belt, but you know it was also against Akron. So I, I don't want to make too much too much of that. Um, these guys just sort of don't know what they don't know. And, and Tristan Jebbia even though he doesn't have an extensive playing experience, he's been in college football so long that I think even that, that knowledge and experience is valuable in that room. And, and also too, it doesn't upset the apple cart. Like I don't, I don't think any of those guys are threatened by the addition of, of Tristan Jebbia. They probably welcome it because they, they need a sounding board now that CJ Stroud is not in that room. You don't even have like a, a, a walk on who's been in the program for a few years that you can rely on. It's sort of like Kyle McCord is the veteran in that room and mm-hmm. he's not really veteran at all. So um, I, I think it's, it's nice when you can kind of find this guy. It's, if Ryan Day could do it every year, he would. He can't, obviously. But um, the fact that they were able to kind of mine one this, this offseason, I think is really important for them. I think what makes this one resonate just a little bit more is that the hard part of identifying those guys is going back to even what we're talking about with Cameron Babb. If you have the ability to still play and you have started somewhere, you probably think that that's what you should be looking for if you're in the transfer portal. Uh, And I think that, you know, you look at Chris Chuganoff and and Gunnar Hoke, if, if memory serves, a lot of those came a little bit later in the process. It was like other options dried up. They weren't going to be able to start somewhere else where can I still go and, and maybe help in another way? And it was almost like a last resort. I think if you're looking at that's this from Jebbia's perspective, he seems to know what he wants. Now, we haven't had a conversation with him yet. We hope to. Uh, but our understanding is, as Burm alluded to, that he wants to be a coach and that he's looking for that experience. And he's OK, you know, coming in and being a mentor to younger quarterbacks uh, and learning and developing, you know, for the next step that's not actually on the field. So you don't I don't think generally in January guys have that presence of mind to say, how can this set me up uh, for a career in coaching or what can I give to another program just within the room? Uh, my knowledge of, of playing quarterback, of uh, playing power five football. So in some ways, Ohio sits a little bit ahead of the game here because Ryan Day, he always says he doesn't want to go out and recruit backup quarterbacks. Transfer portal is a little bit different. Like they're, They were not looking for somebody to challenge Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. 
that would have been uh, less than ideal to do that in January to head into March because really, you know, we think that depending on what happens, it's going to be difficult in this age of college football to keep just those two guys around anyway. Now, if Kyle McCord wins the job, that's obviously different. Devin Brown expected that would be the path forward, but, you know, you, you are going to need to find some of these guys with that understanding and with the maturity to accept that role. So I think that that's really an encouraging sign that Jebbia came in with his eyes open looking for that specific opportunity at Ohio State. Yeah, and the reality is Ryan Day has had to adjust his entire approach when it comes to the quarterback room. Three years ago, this is the guy who said he wants four quarterbacks, four, four scholarship quarterbacks. As the game has changed, you're not going to have four top-tier ready-to-play, you know, Top of the line competitors uh, going for that spot every year, and so it, as Bill alluded to, if you can find one of these guys, you are ahead of the game because he does provide a certain experience and a certain mindset of saying, "Hey, this is what it's going to take to succeed." It's a kid who, as Austin, as you said, he was playing in in the rivalry game with Oregon and Oregon State. Like that's a big moment, and, and so you want someone that's been through that sort of uh, fire, I guess, and. Um, certainly he's seen some things as, as Bill said, like to go from Nebraska to Oregon, when you've seen multiple coaching changes, all this other stuff, multiple offensive coordinators, multiple styles of offense. This is a kid that has seen a lot, uh, much more than, uh, um, you know, the average college quarterback does. And who knows, maybe Ohio state needs a 25 year old quarterback to win a national championship. It seems to work <laughs> out for Georgia. Bill already made that joke on the message board at Ohio state. on Tuesday. I missed that. I, did. I, I am nothing but uh, predictable. Yeah. See, you wanted him back, and now he's taking all your punchlines away. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I didn't know it existed before that, so he didn't take it from me. It's just the symbiotic mind that we share, the mind meld. Do you guys think it's weird that Jebbia is five years younger than this position, position coach? I, I think it's weird that Corey Dennis is still only 30. <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah, been at Ohio State for eight years, hasn't he? Like, or it's seven been, years. Yeah, he's been there the entire time I've been covering the team, and I've this is or I th- almost the entire time. This is my ninth season, I think. I guess there's your example, Bill. He went straight from playing right at Georgia Tech to coaching for Ohio State as a as a GA. We just don't mm-hmm. we don't have anything off the top of our brain for an Ohio State player who did that at his alma mater. There's got to be one. I wish. I think there is one, and it's not. Cam, I said Cam Burrows. It's not Cam Burrows. I'm misremembering, but I'm, I'm almost positive there is one, I, but I can't remember his name. Hmm. Donnie, this is a good content. Hmm. Avijay. Yeah, maybe. No. So, just uh, anyone listening to this wants to know, just text me, and I'll tell you what it is after I look it up. <laughs> yeah, let's just sit here until you're done. Um, <laughs> any anything else going on in the the middle of the week that you have your your eyes on for Ohio State, Bill? No, I mean. Bill? Yeah. Yeah. See? No, He's go, back. Hmm. You're out. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Berm. Go ahead. <laughs> See you later, pal. <laughs> Adios. Well, you have something, so now you can go. No, I, I have nothing. I'm just saying I'm excited. Uh, you know, for those who are going to be following, Austin and I are heading down to South Florida uh, this weekend. There's the Battle 7-on-7 seven seven tournament happening down there. Probably the most talent-filled 7-on-7 seven seven setup in the country where you're talking about, like, just hundreds and hundreds of the best high school football players in the country. So very excited about that. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, I have a question about sort that, of stoked. Right? Sure. Are players from Ohio allowed to play in that? No, they're sure not. Oh, okay. Oh, you son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a bad rule. Why, why not? Berm? That's a great question. Uh, because Ohio high school football coaches don't care about their kids getting better, I mm. guess. 
seems weird to me. Um, but hey, Ohio, you just keep doing it your way, and uh, everyone else will pass us by. No big deal. Well, you don't live in Ohio. I am a proud <laughs> He's an Ohio. alumni of an Ohio public school. Okay? I know better than anyone of all you guys who, what it's like to participate and compete in under the oppressive thumb of the OHSSA. <laughs> I want those I, those guys cost me a state championship in uh -oh. 1997 because they didn't want to ruin my arm by letting me throw 11 innings in 2 days instead of stupid 10. Okay, you cost me. Cost me a title. Have they done studies on the impact of 10 innings versus 11? Have you done it yourself? No, but I, mean, I really needed 12. But the point is my brain has never gotten <laughs> over it. So clearly there's a psychological impact here that needs to be uh, addressed. That's true. But it doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're wrong. Their, yeah. their rules are as – as their rules uh, as they pertain to high school football in the state are quite archaic. Right. And you let and basketball players, players – basketball players can do anything they want. Baseball players are playing year-round. Anyone else is playing wherever they want, however much they want. In football, you're still not allowed to do anything outside of your team for, from March to August. It's absolutely stupid. Just ludicrous. I want you and the general – Bobby Carpenter to have a conversation about the OHSAA. I, I think that would be an incredible piece of content. <laughs> mm, well, I just don't even understand the logic behind saying that the coaches don't want this to happen. Like your players will get better. Like <laughs> that's what happens. Look at the development of high school athletes in a place like Georgia versus Ohio. These guys are a year behind when they get to campus. Kirby Smart said it two weeks ago. I said it, I think a year ago, I've said it over and over and over. They're so far behind. It's not, it's not fair to them. It's, and I believe in fairness. That's true. You do. More Bill, than did, you, did you have anything else in, in mind before Berm jumped in with that? No, I'm just mad that I wrote a story on uh, Tuesday that said Ohio State's at 85, and then they added someone like immediately <laughs> to go to 86, um, which is just to say like the 85 doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. When they need to be at 85, they'll be at 85. Until yeah, August point, 1st. Don't worry about it. Yeah. August 1st, they'll be at 85. Uh, I can guarantee you that Why didn't they'll, you probably, just... they'll probably swell back up to like 88 or 89 at some point, won't they? Why didn't you probably. just make that your entire story, Bill? Don't worry well, about it. Don't. Well, I think, I think there is value in looking at it by position to see like, Oh, they only have six cornerbacks again. But, uh, if you're worried about the overall number, just don't, cause it doesn't matter. It's fake. Fake numbers. Love that. Uh, we will get into those positions moving forward. I promise. But we had, a couple more moves to break down for Ohio State. Uh, maybe not the most seismic of the offseason, certainly not compared to C.J. Stroud, but uh, Cam Babb walking away is certainly worth uh, paying attention to and paying tribute to uh, for his contributions to Ohio State. And Tristan Jebbia filling out the quarterback depth chart at that position. Got to talk about that as well. Appreciate Jeremy Birmingham and Bill Landis, as always, for bringing their insight to those topics. I am just Austin Ward. This has been the Podcast Daily. We're going to be back for more tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.